This episode is brought to you in part by Dr. Tony Evans, author of Kingdom Kindness. Learn how to become a countercultural force by reflecting God's kindness. Find this and other uplifting resources on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. The COVID-19 pandemic officially ended on May 11, 2023. While it lasted only three years, the pandemic impacted almost every institution in America. Research studies have examined the impact of COVID on economics, housing, and secular employment. But how did COVID-19 impact the American church? To answer that question, Church Salary, a ministry of Christianity Today, partnered with the Arbor Research Group, and with the help of a generous grant from the Lilly Endowment, we conducted a year-long study of over a thousand pastors and church leaders from across the country. During the course of our research in 2022, we encountered thousands of hurting and wounded pastors and lay leaders who desperately needed to share their distinct stories, some tinged with hope, some filled with heartbreak and pain. On this podcast, COVID and the Church, we will explore the results of our landmark study published in a 111-page report. You can read the full report online for free by visiting churchsalary.com slash COVID study. If you're one of those people who would rather listen than read, I'm your host, Aaron Hill, editor of Church Salary. In this first episode, I'm joined by two of the key architects of this study. Dr. Terry Linhart is a researcher and author. He is the founder and CEO of the Arbor Research Group, a faith-based research agency. Terry also serves as the executive director of Bethel University's Extension Studies Program. Dr. John Swanson is one of the original members of Arbor Research Group. John is a hospital chaplain, a writer, and a teacher with a background and experience in both higher education and as an executive pastor. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. I think the first question that is on a lot of people's minds is why? Why study this now? I mean, don't we already know what happened? And why discuss it? I mean, who needs a 111-page report and a podcast about all this? When there's a big event, we often can know that something happened. But often we don't know what happened. And then we have this tendency to forget events. So the rest of the country forgets the wildfire that happened three years ago and then can't understand why people from there are still struggling. Mm. In this case, everybody went through something, and yet we forget. And I can think, I know what I went through, but I may not know what happened to me, and that I don't know what happened to us as a group. And in a case like this, the group is not just my local congregation. The group is all the body of Christ distributed through congregations all across the United States and all across the world, but certainly within the States. There's a humility that comes in saying, wait, other people got hurt? There are congregations that went through turmoil. There are pastors that felt wrecked by this. I wonder what happened. So this research helps the people who want to learn about what happened in the body of Christ during this particular season? I think the phrase that you wrote, Aaron, in the introduction, the reality is that many wounds have not healed. That cascading that John talked about is still going on. I recently was in a church. The pastor just offhandedly said, this is a very successful church in the Bible Belt, a very large church. And he said, yeah, we're still dealing with some of the things that happened during the pandemic, people leaving and giving changes and all that. I, I think we're still 
wrestling with it. And I was with an exec pastor yesterday who's looking ahead to this quarter and really feeling like what's about to happen is the outcome from the last three years. In the interviews for this podcast, several pastors have talked about revisiting what they call COVID time as if it was revisiting a migraine. Uh, One of them said that it was almost like they realized there was this PTSD-like trauma that they didn't want to revisit. And so they had to psych themselves up just to sit down and, and talk about this again. And every time I have one of those interactions, I realize that while I may not have had that kind of trauma related to COVID, some of what these pastors went through and what churches went through as well is very painful and remains so. And so there's this built-in tendency to want to move on to say, yeah, we know what happened. We don't need to talk about it anymore. But then when you hear and you listen to these pastors and you realize that they're still struggling with it and that their church is trying to wrestle with the decisions that they made, you know, was it the right decision? Was it the wrong decision? I think the research that we uncovered can really help pastors and congregations move on. You know, I'd like to change the question a little bit, Aaron, to, you know, you asked the why this now study. Uh, and I think that is about a timing thing, but I'd, I'd like to also say why this study in particular, because the uniqueness of the Arbor Group is that it's kind of an all-star team that we've assembled and the, the, the ability to get down to street level and get the stories rather than doing these broad polling question surveys like a lot of us do and, and panels that we quiz and we get these percentages. But you know what Lily uh, funded this for was to try to find the stories from local churches, often even underrepresented ones, people who wouldn't participate in a survey or a panel anywhere. And, you know, we know the limitations at Arbor full well for those kind of projects. And so this study that you helped coordinate and allowed us to do, we got out of the door, so to speak, and into online focus groups, and then actually picked a couple handfuls of uh, communities around the country to keep digging into the stories that that happened and surface them. And so what I like about what you're doing here, and you mentioned it briefly, is that these podcasts aren't just going to be talking about percentages and charts that you, you can't see in a podcast, but you're putting together the voices of pastors from across the country and creating a very interesting podcast that goes with a report that people can get. And I think that the job you're doing is going to help tell the stories of churches. And that's the important thing, because you're going to hear and relate to things and recognize, hey, we learned some lessons here. We need to make sure we keep learning them going forward. And the other side is when you do a study that's well-structured and really tries to find true findings, it takes time to do the analysis Mm -hmm. to get it right. You know, I used to tell students when I taught graduate-level research, if you're not surprised in the study, you didn't do your work. And there's some things that are surprising here. There's some things in here we don't want to hear, but that's that humility that John talked about, that we need to be able to be open to this and realize that when we come to a Christian organization, sometimes, you know, they're hesitant to research because they don't really want to know mm, sometimes, Yeah, uh, but we do need to know. And, and we need to hear this story that you're telling in these podcasts. Yeah, the, the way that we designed the study, and you can read more about it in the full report, was to start off with a big nationwide survey of over a thousand pastors. We then use the things that we learned in that initial survey to zoom in and actually listen to pastors through several rounds of focus groups, interviews with pastors. And then you guys at Arbor Research actually traveled around to nine different cities across the U.S. to conduct in-person meetings with pastors on the ground. And many of them were from communities and demographics that are not typically represented in surveys like this. 
the methodology, that methodology helped us go beyond statements saying like 15% of pastors used Zoom for small groups during the pandemic. It's like, okay, that's great. That's, it's a good factoid, but how does it, you know, how does that really help us? So we wanted to come up with some conclusions that were actually going to be helpful to churches. And I, I think that's what we uncovered. So we can't cover all our findings in this introductory episode, but I wanted us to quickly go over the nine themes or common experiences that our research uncovered and highlight some of the major conclusions. But before we do that, I think it's helpful to understand the metaphor that shaped the report and our interpretation of the data. Do you guys remember those choose-your-own-adventure novels that you used to read as a kid? Apparently, they're still a thing, uh, even though they're clearly more popular among kids. (laughs) But as you read through these choose-your-own-adventure novels, you reach decision points at the end of each chapter Uh, a monster is chasing you. Do you go into the cave or do you run into the forest? And depending on the decision that you make, you get to skip ahead to a different part of the book. The fun part about those books is that everybody can buy the same book off the shelf, but you create your own version of the story based on how you respond. This is essentially what happened during the pandemic. Everyone had similar decision points, but how you and your congregation reacted dictated the next stage of your journey, where you flipped to next. And we realized that this was a helpful way to frame what everyone experienced because almost every pastor that we spoke to suffered one of the themes. They, they suffered some sort of pain or loss or they wrestled with technology changes, et cetera, et cetera. So the question wasn't whether you faced a specific challenge because pretty much everybody did. The question was how you and your congregation responded. So uh, let's talk through the nine common experiences or themes that we uncovered. John, uh, why don't you kick us off with the first one? Yeah, the first theme that we ran into, we called pain and loss of presence. The pandemic challenges and, and the battles that happened through that time inflicted deep and lasting wounds on pastoral leaders. We heard in our conversations with people about personal pain, about relational pain outside and inside the body, and a loss of presence. And as the more we thought about it, uh, that last one was actually a different kind of pain because it's not just loneliness, and it's not just wanting hugs or handshakes. It's not about introverts versus extroverts. Actually, the heart of gospel ministry is about presence, about Jesus actually being with and touching and having conversation with and eating with people. And so breaking that up, which is what happened in very many congregations and in very many places, actually is a deep and wounding thing. Um, We heard about ways that this season affected physical and relational and emotional and spiritual health. Um, The idea of moral injury showed up here. And then we talk about a number of steps toward healing uh, that a number of people demonstrated. Yeah, uh, listeners can go ahead and download and listen to that first episode on pain and loss of presence. I was struck in reading through the comments and the reports that we got over and over again. Pastors just described it as one of the hardest times of their entire career and looking back, it was obvious that there was still a lot of pain and anxiety and mental stress that they needed to recover from. And I don't think that we're fully on the other side of that. 
No, and I agree. And that's interesting, uh, Aaron, because I, I wrote that same thing out with the chapter that John and Hope, Hope wrote, which is a great chapter. It's a great kickoff to uh, explaining this because we didn't really start in looking for this, but this is what everybody was experiencing and talking about. You know, we were concerned about church sustainability when we started and it ended up being about pastoral sustainability. You know, and it was a quick flip and the trauma that we were exposed to, that people were feeling, and the sharpness of what they felt. You know, your comment just a little bit earlier about how when you revisited them and said, hey, can we use your voice in this podcast months later, it was like uh, reminding them of that migraine they were having. And I think that's uh, there because there was a longing for ministry, right? We're called the ministry. Pastor, I, I mean, I'll say this over and over a lot. I'm so impressed with American pastors after this project, their resiliency and what they've gone through and led churches through. It's just amazing. But at the same time, what they felt was significant. Yeah. So the the second theme that we uncovered, we've called adapt to survive. This was simply trying to capture every time we spoke to a church, every time uh, we talked to a congregation or a pastor, they'd commented on how they had this constant, almost hamster wheel-like pace of adaptation. There just, there simply was no room to breathe. The guidance from the government was constantly changing as far as lockdowns and health measures. There were so many changes happening on such a rapid basis. Leaders felt like they constantly had to adapt. And one of the key adaptations was, do you try and wait and return to a new normal? Or do you use the crisis as an opportunity to adapt your ministry model? So this adapt to survive theme really just trying to capture the fact that this pace was so relentless. If they didn't make the right decisions, it could backfire on them and their church. Yeah. One of the things I think that's interesting from this is that uh, it also gave churches, uh, church leaders permission to jettison some things that they've Mm -hmm. long wanted to do. Uh, You know, one of them said, you know, one day we'll get to it. Well, this was the day and they just did it. And I think that lesson is uh, to be proactive, maybe a little sooner than we we think we can as church leaders, for sure, because churches came through and made huge changes that are now in place and almost at the snap of the fingers, they adapted. So I think we can be more adaptive going forward, for sure. What about the third theme? Well, the Great Revealer was a theme that came out of one of the interviews, and and we talked about this idea that it was like a, I think you wrote this, Aaron, a massive weight was placed on a structurally unsound building or bridge, and COVID revealed some some cracks. And that really describes the nature of this study. We're looking for one thing, but everybody was experiencing something in addition to that that was uh, more significant. So, And that was the political polarization. Uh, And even if we're honest and we say this, it sounds harsh when we write it and talk about it, but a lot of pastors were surprised at what they called spiritual immaturity or a a lack of discipleship that seemed to pop up. Another thing it revealed was that pastors uh, have a fragility, so suddenly it was okay to talk about mental health and the realities of the pressures of being in a pastorate, which years previous you would just kind of suppress. Of course, you know, it also, as we just said, exposed the inefficiency of some programs. But it also revealed, I think, a resiliency in congregations and people stepped up during that time, at least, to, to give and help carry the church forward. And so it was this real big balancing act, but clearly things were peeled back that allowed us to peek in, in in ways we weren't able to before. So the fourth theme, we called it the miracle of plates and pews. And at first pass, Some faithful congregations shrink, others witness explosive growth, and people talk about how wonderful things are 
both in giving and in attendance, but it's not a uniform kind of thing. So we ended up hearing some people saying, I grew financially during COVID. Other people saying a number of people stopped attending worship and, and people haven't come back. Um, and part of what we learned as we listened, um, it goes back to what you said earlier, Aaron, about numbers and individuals. Miracles are fundamentally anecdotal. So when Jesus healed Bartimaeus, for example, there were other persons without sight around Jericho who were not healed. Even when Jesus healed all the people in the surrounding area, there were people in other areas. And so, as we think about both finances and we think about attendance, we realize that there are differences that often don't have anything to do with the faithfulness of the congregation. They don't have to do with some kind of miraculous contract with God for, if I do good, then I will do mm. good. Mm. Um, but we also heard from congregations who did have tremendous times and who didn't. What we are suggesting, both from our study and from people that we talked with, were that the pandemic accelerated attendance loss uh, or retention failure that was already happening. Mm. So it's not like suddenly people stopped coming. It was already happening that people were having those questions, which goes back to the great revealer kind of idea. Mm. But ultimately, the pandemic created miraculous moments that in many cases sustained and stimulated congregations and encouraged pastors. Definitely. A few other stats and quotes, and, and obviously we go into more of this in the actual episode and in the report, but we looked at some of the church planting and church closure rate information, and one of the things that stood out from the study was this realization that about 1.7 churches closed for every one that opened during the pandemic, which was uh, only about 11% worse than a, a figure that uh, Lifeway was able to estimate uh, right before the pandemic. So it made church closures worse, but in general, what we saw was that churches are closing across the country in cities, in rural areas, in small towns. Mm -hmm. There just happens to be more church planting activity in cities and suburbs. And so the, the closure rate, the replacement rate there is a little bit better than it is out in rural areas and small towns. So we get into some more of that. And then there's obviously some stats that we have on PPP loans, less than half of churches receive financial assistance beyond their normal tithes and offerings. And of that group, about 80% applied for a PPP loan. And obviously, uh, that made a difference for some churches. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. The fifth theme that we uncovered was just technology. I don't know that this is groundbreaking. It was obvious to everyone that technology played a huge role. Churches were unable to meet in person in a lot of places. 
and they had to shift to moving online. And what we uncovered was that churches that made that shift quicker or that already had online giving and online worship in place had a better outcome at the beginning of the pandemic, but a lot of churches adapted very quickly and were able to implement those things and survive uh, when they weren't able to pass the plate. The other thing that stands out from that chapter, which we'll talk more about in that specific episode, is just the ways that it's sticking around. Technology is is, is impacted staffing, the roles and responsibilities that uh, pastors have. It's impacted worship and preaching and discipleship. And then we also talk about some of the new ways that it's open spaces for ministry. A building from that, uh, chapter six was about outside the walls. And not only was technology a way to get outside the walls, but uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of churches realize, and we certainly saw across the board, is how, how much we had become an attractional approach to ministry. Come inside uh, our four walls and we'll do ministry with you. And, and this chapter talks about the pandemic taking that time away and how suddenly for some younger pastors and, and people didn't, didn't really know how to handle the moment where suddenly there weren't a gathering of people around them while they were on the stage. And so this is a, a fascinating chapter on, on how churches and pastors were able to find hope and beauty outside the walls of their church by rediscovering, as one pastor said, the one another's, you know, so pastoral care and community were the two themes that came up. How do we reach our community when they can't come and gather with us in, in, inside our building? And how can we care for those who are hurting, those who are experiencing incredible uh, physical pain, grief, and loss because there was loss of life through this and the trauma of just a disrupted life and anxiety. And it's a, it's a great chapter to, re, to be reminded of what that was like for that period of time during the pandemic. Chapter seven, uh, or the seventh episode that we're going to be talking about in this podcast is on political polarization. This came up over and over and over again in interviews with pastors, and it was obvious that we had to talk about it. But what we noticed was that the pandemic placed pastors in this impossible situation because the battle lines of the culture war shifted even further to include pretty much everything, even decisions that previously would not have been politicized became just fraught with danger. And there was really no middle ground left for pastors to occupy. There was no way for them to please all sides and everyone in their congregation. And so pastors talked about finding themselves being unable to navigate a culture that was increasingly devoid of both grace and hospitality during the pandemic. One of the most exciting parts of analysis, I think, that came out from the study was our focus on these congregational profiles. So Dr. Tyler Greenway did some great analysis, and we're going to talk about that more in depth in that chapter. But focusing on how congregations reacted to the implementation of pandemic health measures, what we discovered is that was honestly the best predictor of the success or the, the negative outcome for congregations was how the congregation reacted to the pandemic health measures. And so around 39% of congregations reacted in a, a like-minded or unified way and, and sort of got in line behind leadership. And those churches that reacted in that like-minded way tended to have better outcomes. About 61% of congregations experienced some form of polarization where there were sides within the congregation and where that occurred, churches tended to have worse outcomes, uh, more changes to pastoral titles and responsibilities, more mental health concerns, higher levels of resignation or consideration for pastors, and then higher levels of daily stress, both during and after the pandemic. So 
for us, it was realizing it wasn't necessarily the polarization outside the church. It was whether that polarization made its way into the congregation and people were fighting amongst themselves within the congregations itself. So that's going to be a very impactful episode in the podcast. Yeah, I think that that's the one that people may not want to, you know, we go, oh, do we have to listen to more things about politics? But it's uh, going to be super helpful because this is what pastors wanted to talk about. And, you know, with the coming election cycle, I think the lessons learned there will be helpful. And I already have heard pastors talking about being prepared for how we're going to handle that as a church. The the eighth theme uh, was leadership in crisis, and that's the name we gave to a larger conversation about what was going on vocationally with American pastors. So there was a sense of increased resignation that the the pandemic accelerated some of that. Retirement was certainly a part of it. People considering retirement, people considering a job change. And and one of the ways that affected, you know, we did a an audible about a halfway through the project and started to talk to the major staffing agencies that were working with churches. And Brent Sickle did a great job on that and, you know, discovered that associate pastors and younger pastors, pastors in their 30s, were experiencing incredibly high amount of anxiety and desire to change jobs. And there's a lot of turnover. In fact, a lot of the charts that you create, Aaron, show so well how the younger pastors were affected more dramatically by the pandemic in significant ways. And so I think this is a helpful chapter as churches think about how to support their pastors and, and how to handle this increased uh, turnover that was happening during the infighting there. A couple of the things we found there, just that baby boomer pastors are continuing to retire and exit in an increasingly high rate of turnover. Uh, Gen X and millennial pastors are transitioning to other careers and leaving the ministry more quickly than previous generations. And there seem to be fewer younger candidates who are entering vocational ministry, especially through seminary and Christian higher ed. And that's going to be a huge need. I think one of the staffing agencies uh, called it, you know, we need to create our bench depth for the team of pastors. So and then the ninth chapter, uh, the last of our major themes is what we call beauty from ashes. And in a sense, this is the but God chapter that talks about the number of pastors that pointed to unexpected blessings that wouldn't have happened had they not endured the adversity of the pandemic. So we heard stories about two pastors who unexpectedly connected, started praying for each other across a racial divide, consortium of churches that were supporting each other through this so that when one congregation was struggling to find a pastor, others stepped up to be able to be helpful. And I think that this is the chapter where we're able to say there are lots of individual stories where God showed his graciousness in the middle of adversity. And it's not that it's a, it gives a happy ending of, and everything turned out great for everybody, but it's a reminder of the presence of God in difficult situations as well as happy situations. And that's an important way to to wrap up the themes of this study is with that, but God did this, which as we're walking through a season that had significant amounts of death, significant amounts of other kinds of loss, um, those of us who walk through grieving and walk people through grief are aware that, but God is faithful and is present. Definitely. What ultimately hurt? What helped? What were some of the surprising conclusions that came out of the report for me, one of the ones that I've been highlighting and, and that was shocking to me, we assumed going into this that congregations in states with more severe restrictions would have experienced worse outcomes. 
the inability to meet for longer periods of time would play a big role in the fate of churches. And what we discovered is we just we couldn't find any correlation across the board. Obviously, some churches, they could point to their specific circumstance, but across the board, our research indicated that the severity and the length of pandemic restrictions at the state level didn't correlate with changes in attendance, giving, staff size, permanent closures, uh, even the severity of political polarization within the congregations themselves. And so that was kind of a shocking finding, I think, that came out of the study was this realization that it wasn't what happened to us from the outside. It was what happened to us from the inside and how we reacted to those challenges that played a role. Was there anything else that stood out to you guys from the research, major findings or conclusions? One of the things that crept up on us as we were looking at the information is how much pastors valued having somebody ask how they were doing. So we did the first pass of the study. We we kind of went past one of the um, open-ended questions that was to talk about things that went well and particular challenges. And then as we looked back through it, we discovered that there were a whole lot of pastors who nobody had asked them how they were doing and how hard this was. And once somebody asked them, it was just this huge opportunity for them to share. So we ended up with focus groups where pastors um, cried because somebody finally said, So, talk about what happened. How are you doing? And so I think that the value, the importance of peers and safe places to ask questions was significant. And and one of the things that we found is pastors who were making it through had put together peer conversations. That was the number one thing that they did is informal conversations with peers to help them in their mental health, and um, other kinds of health through the process. Um, and I think that, that the power of conversation was a significant finding for us and influenced much of, of what we discovered. I think I was surprised at how many churches were doing well in the pandemic. I expected a larger group to be struggling to make it through. I think that the PPP opportunity helped many congregations navigate and make a shift in this. I was also surprised at how many churches quickly went to online giving and haven't looked back, you know, in congregations where if they would have brought it up before a pandemic, the congregation would have gone, no way are we doing online giving. We're passing the plates every time. And now, you know, the plates might even be passed at all. And then I think that the third surprise, Aaron, is how I, I, and this is just my anecdotal observations, but how quickly we returned to what we were doing before the pandemic and we haven't let the lessons from it sink in. And I think it's the great revealer. We may want to rename down the road, the great forewarning to something that's coming, particularly along economic lines. You know, if the PPP loan wouldn't have come along and, or the loan to gift, whatever, you know, what would be our story of number of churches closing now? You know, would it be higher? And Russell Moore in his latest book, Losing Our Religion, hits on some of this themes and things that have come out of this period, whether it's related to the COVID pandemic or the political divide. But I'm hopeful that 2024 will be a rallying time for churches to network with humility with each other, to care for each other, to care for our pastors, and to be about the mission that we're to be about, and to not get caught up in a culture war 
and to not get caught up in attractional only ministry, but to really say, okay, we're in this community, we're on this street corner for this reason, for this purpose, for this day. So another of the questions that I know a lot of people have is, so what? Uh, we've got all this research, we've got all these statistics and quotes, but but so what? How does this apply to regular pastors and churches going about their business in 2023 and 2024? What use is any of this to pastors? Or as one of the pastors I interviewed framed it, he said, how is this going to help the church? When we think about the care of souls, which is that pastoral component of what we do, we often wonder what led to this. Why is there so much anger here? Why are these people so uncertain? How can we help them deepen? What are the, what are the things that we can turn to to offer this as a direction to go? And it's naive to assume that the solutions that we've always used to recruit leaders, to plan budgets, to create programs will work in 2023 the same way they worked or didn't work in 2013 or 2003, unless we consider the disruptions of relationships and lives and structures and routines in that season from 2020 to 2022. There is that pastoral component of, oh, what happened? And I think from a pastoral component as well, reflecting on, oh, there were this many lives lost. Oh, there was this much ungrieved grief. Oh, there are different groups of people in the body of Christ in the U.S. How can I learn from how can I listen to those? Um, and I, So I think that looking at this from a pastoral care perspective, to understand why we are here, is a really helpful thing. I know some of the conversations that I've had with pastors for this podcast, because we're able to look at research from all of these churches, we're able to say, hey, this is probably a contributing factor here. That, I think, has helped some of the pastors that I've spoken to to get some context to go, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't my fault. Maybe it wasn't the timing of the decision. Maybe it was this other thing. Helping people understand why certain things happened and then use that to make wise decisions in their church, I think can be really beneficial. My hope is that pastors will be able to actually use this information to sort of triage what happened at their church, the decisions that they made, and then make better ones moving forward. I think very often we tell ourselves the story, this is my fault, this is my sin, and as you're saying, to think this is a bigger thing ends up being really helpful. Jennifer Holberg says, narrative normalizes. The stories we tell ourselves are what make for normal. And so by telling these other stories... We're giving a whole different set of voices, a whole different set of stories, um, narratives for the church um, to be able to say, oh, it's different than I thought. Well, I want to thank you two gentlemen and the Arbor Research Group in particular for all your hard work on this project. We started out with a set of questions that, to be honest, were kind of narrow. Attendance, budget giving, staff changes, really nuts and bolts, things like that. But ultimately, what we wanted to pursue was the truth. We wanted to get real answers because I wasn't interested in factoids, getting a few pieces of information and stats that we could throw out on a press release. I really wanted to get to the truth and to help people understand what really happened. And I think, I think we've done that. So I want to thank you both for all your hard work and your uh, stewardship of this project. It's been a blessing. Thank you, Aaron, for your leadership and uh, the work you've done. I just am amazed. We've been 
we marvel at all the details and the, the ability to visualize and to take all this data and put it together into an amazing resource with this report. And hopefully it'll bear fruit and, and be a good resource for people in the months and years to come. Having watched the pandemic from inside a hospital, it has been really helpful to be able to also see it from inside and alongside the church. And this has been huge and, and I think will be very helpful. COVID and the Church is a production of Church Salary, a ministry of Christianity Today. Executive producers are Aaron Hill, Terry Linhart, and Matt Stevens. Host, Aaron Hill. COVID and the Church is produced in conjunction with the Arbor Research Group and funded by the Lilly Endowment Incorporated through a grant from the Economic Challenges Facing Pastoral Leaders Initiative. Director for CT Media is Matt Stevens. Tyler Bradford Wright is our audio engineer, editor, and composer. Artwork provided by Ryan Johnson. And our art director is Sarah Gordon.